Welcome back, everyone. Uh, hope you're not getting uh, sore from your seat. Now you have the opportunity to change seats more readily than you do in the conference room. But um, we are going to be starting our third session on the panel. I have a panel discussion on the effects of uh, how uh, COVID-19 has impacted your particular vision so we can all share with each other what has transpired and and how we can look forward uh, down the road to see what we can or cannot do to to revive things. And with us we have um, Karen Blackowitz from New York and Linda Allison from uh, Tennessee and Artis Bazin from uh, California. Scott Egan cannot be with us. Uh, he's, you know, he's our convention committee chair. His father was taken in a farm accident in northern Minnesota this past week, and he's pretty well wore out at this point from funeral and getting pulling, getting his mother through the trauma. So with that, I'm going to uh, ask um, Karen or Linda, uh, you can kind of start us out with what uh, is happening in your states or what you uh, think should be happening. Sure, Dan, but first we're going to let the um, CEU credits be announced. Oh, yes. Yeah, CEU credits. Sorry, Sorry, Randy. No worries. I'm good at at speaking up. Um, Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) if you are uh, attending this and you have a credential that requires continuing education credits, your opening code is F9CEE. One more time, F as in Frank, 9, C as in Charlie, E as in Echo, E as in Echo. Thank you and enjoy the session. Thank you, Randy. So, hi everybody, this is Karen Blackowitz, and yes, I am um, one of the board representatives for Randolph Fender Shepherd. Randolph Shepard, Vendors of America. Until I've been talking a little too much today, my tongue's getting tied. Um, so a few months back, uh, COVID hit the United States and hit all of the vendors very hard. It's been extremely devastating across the country for all of us, including myself and Linda and anybody who's still an active vendor in the programs around the country. Um, New York was... New York, Connecticut, New Jersey were some of the first states that got hit extremely fast and hard. And in early March, what pretty much happened is all facilities shut down except for some of the vending routes that may had had have had um, post offices, some airports, um, and unlike that, but most state, federal, county buildings have been completely shut down. Uh, the date of that was March 16th, and we are now at July 4th, and we have very few um, managers back to work. In fact, it's less than a handful. Uh, I'm in uh, upstate New York, so I'm in, like, the Buffalo region. Um, for those geographically, New York is a very uh, wide state, and downstate the New York City area is not even predicting open dates for their facilities. We know that, um, you know, the government did come down with some stimulus plans and some things to help small businesses, 
as far as the different unemployment that uh, some small businesses were entitled to. Um, it's been difficult. The state of New York, our SLA, did come up with a fair minimum return, and our set aside had a, a very large amount of, of revenues stored away. Uh, in our state, each manager was given uh, an allowance of uh, $2,000 for the first month and a second disbursement of $2,000. Once unemployment started to kick in, um, I guess it was kind of decided that if you were getting unemployment, the fair minimum return wasn't really necessary at that point. Where it really helped when managers needed it, it was certainly there. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful to be a blind vendor in the state of New York and that that was available to me and to the rest of the vendors. However, um, the managers that were continuing to work on vending routes, uh, myself included, our income has dropped over 50 to 60 percent. And looking at a fair minimum return, we're working and not making anything where we were before. So it is an issue, and it is something that um, I want everybody to know is available around the country. And again, that's called a fair minimum return, which means bringing it up to the standard of what the average was in your state prior to um, COVID hitting. Fortunately, in some states, they have fair minimum returns that are that are given to managers on a regular basis. And I can't speak to everything around the country, but those managers should be doing okay or at least surviving at this point. Uh, what the difficult point is, we don't know what things are going to look like on the other side. In other words, so when facilities start to open up, will they have the population they did? I, I think being a reasonable person in today's day and age, knowing that a lot of the state, county, and federal workers have been working from home, and they rather quickly found ways to up their security measures. So people, for example, Social Security and the IRS are now working from home. Will they bring those back? Odds are not in the capacity they were before. So our managers really have to start being creative in different ways of doing business. You're going to open up, and if you have 50% of the population, we're all going to have to find ways to cater, being ordering apps and how we sanitize our store, how many people you can let into your facilities at a time if you have a, a newsstand or a cafeteria or a dry stand, anything, anything like that. For those of us on vending routes, you know, it's become... Uh, customary now that I carry alcohol, Lysol, and wipes with me, and all machines are are cleaned and sanitized before I even touch them. So it's an interesting world we're living in right now, uh, a little bit scary. Uh, we're all facing the unknown right now, but I think calls like this, where we can all ask questions and talk and share ideas, is a wonderful platform. <coughs> I think um, from my part right now, I'll turn it over to Linda, and then we'll open up to some questions. Okay. Well, um, 
from from Tennessee's standpoint, a lot of our managers um, have been affected more from the federal standpoint. Um, uh, I myself have uh, machines at a nuclear facility, and um, same timeline as you discussed, starting the beginning of March, things started to change. And uh, a lot of our managers who have universities, basically the universities went on uh, spring break and never went back. So um, I have a lot of associates who have not worked since March the 9th. And um, uh, the the federal, uh, it varies. I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with it federal entity called TVA, the Tennessee Valley Valley Authority, uh, which is a a large supplier of um, energy um, everywhere. Uh, That's um, one of the biggest employers in the state. And all of their facilities, they immediately sent home administrative people to telecommute, and they're still telecommuting, and there's no, uh, there have been several projected dates on their return, but that took about a third of my population, and uh, in some of the facilities, uh, like the Chattanooga campus, um, it took basically all all of their uh, customer base. Um, So the people in Chattanooga, there's two uh, two cafeterias at that complex, and those were shut down. And um, it, it's just—I mean—it's just been a domino effect of destruction as far as uh, the vendors go. Um, all of the federal prisons, of course, shut down. Uh, no visitors and no um, no maintenance allowed. Um, can't even get in and check the machines, and uh, it's um, unfortunately Tennessee. Uh, the, the the program that they implemented to quote help the vendors was definitely not nearly as um, comprehensive as what Karen described for New York. Uh, we were sent a vote. Um, to uh, release money from our retirement fund of uh, $1,200, two payments, one for March, one for April, and um, that that was done. Um, and uh, they also sent out another vote to do it again for June, but I never, had, we've not received any kind of. Um, Confirmation as to whether the vote was successful, nor have we received a check. So, um, not sure where that one is standing, but uh, um, it's 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 been awful. Um, some of us who are fortunate enough to still be working at about a fifty percent capacity uh, have tried to go to our colleagues who aren't so fortunate and buy products so that they're not stuck with expiring goods and. Um, you know, try to help out in that way. But um, I, I'm I'm with Karen. The, the the ones that are out telecommuting, I really don't anticipate that they're going to come back anytime soon. And we're going to have, be faced with a a completely different population 
um, much reduced population and trying to um, get sales to compensate for what we are currently losing and have lost is going to be a monumental task that I'm not sure how we're going to surmount. Um, but there's a lot of creative people, and I'm sure uh, somebody will come up with something um, that will make things, uh, I guess, more appropriate for the, the time that's coming. Um, so um, I, I guess that's... So one of the things that New York is looking at down the line, which may be... I think we may see this around the country a little bit with numbers dropping in the um, facilities in the state, county, federal buildings and with people telecommuting and all that good stuff. Um, one of the things that was talked about is um, stores combining. So if you have two buildings across the street or in a near location to another, um, one manager managing two different locations, hoping to at least equal close to what their income was in the past. Um, the possibility of micro-marts is definitely being looked at, uh, to my understanding, by the SLA here in New York, and I believe in a lot of states around the country at this point, because you don't need as much staffing if you're not waiting on customers. It's about restocking, keeping things clean, and, and that's going to be key to any of the micro-marts is how to keep things sanitized. And if, um, Karen, have you run into any problems with, um, I'm having problems with my, uh, machines blowing keyboards, um, because the, the cleaning staff in the various buildings are spraying liquid cleaner on my keypads and I'm having replaced keypads. Have you had any issue with that? I have not yet, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. The majority of my places are post offices, things like the airports. Um, I do have some of the um, municipal buildings and things like that where they don't clean for me. It's my job to do it. Um, and the way I'm avoiding having any kind of keyboard dysfunctions is I'm using wipes instead of sprays, right. which are getting harder and harder to find. Um, right. Going, going um, through our regular distributors is, is getting impossible. I've had to be very creative on where I'm getting bleach and Lysol wipes from. And when I do find them, I have to order a, a bulk volume of them, surely because of the amount that I'm going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Very good point. Um, I, I know that I've been having to go to the local grocery store to get Lysol wipes, and there it's limit one per customer. So I'm having my daughter, who works at one of the local grocery stores, as it comes in, she buys me one. And that's the only way I can get it. Uh, the traditional uh, Sam's and Ceylon, nobody has them. You go in to order, and it's out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Um, and it just... Um, I'll have to get with you at some point to find out where you're where you're finding them because everywhere I go to look for them, it's out of stock. Um, there's a very easy answer for that, Amazon. I I have found that sometimes the dates that they're giving you for delivery are off, um, but 
if you look, you can find. And then you can also be creative in making your own. Uh, I just bought a case of, of Lysol bathroom cleaner. And for the case, it really wasn't bad. But soaking a paper towel in it for two minutes and wiping down the machines um, seemed to do the same thing because you're applying the same chemical. You're just not spraying it directly on it. Okay. Well, um, the thing I've done, when I can find an actual bottle of alcohol, you can do the same. You can soak a paper towel in alcohol and make your own alcohol wipes and keep them in a Ziploc bag. Um, absolutely correct, yes. there's, um, And we're, we're getting to that point where we do have to be creative. Also, one of the things that the state of New York did do is they have distributed PPE equipment. We have had um, sanitizer delivered to those of us that have been working directly to either our location or right to our home by the gallon. We've had masks and we've had gloves, which was all... Uh, the New York State Commission for the Blind and the Business Enterprise Program did make it a 100% priority to make sure those of us that were working were safe at the beginning uh, and, and has still to this day. Um, so I do commend them very much on their proactiveness and making sure, you know, we're as safe as we possibly can be. That's incredible. Tennessee has done nothing of the kind. Um, they did send us guidelines for what we need to post on our machines to let our customers know that we are taking all precautions to keep them safe. Um, but that's just, that's the only assistance we have gotten as far as any type of PPE, um, anything. I, so we are I give own. I, and I've been hearing that from, from different states around the country that their SLA is not helping or assisting with any kind of PEP, PPE. And I just I can't say enough how much I, I commend and, and a big bravo to the state of New York for distributing uh, as quickly as, as they possibly could um, to make sure that we were safe. And, and in addition, something else that New York did that I – we were not forced to work. It was our choice for those of us on vending routes or that had facilities that were open. Our director had said safety was more important, and that just tells me what a wonderful human being she actually is, opposed to some saying, if you have a vending route, you need to continue working. And I have heard, unfortunately, horror stories like that, and we all know that you know, some blind individuals have secondary issues that uh, create a weaker immune system. I mean, how many of us, by the 12, I'm not going to reveal my age, but get to my age, are diabetics or uh, MS or all different um, disabilities that, that weaken the immune system. So, again, I, I, I am actually very proud to, to be in New York and what the SLA has done to to try to keep us safe. And... Um, I wish there was more that we could do on a national level uh, to ensure that those people that are working at least have the minimum of the PPE that, that's required to do the job properly. That, that, would, be, that would be extraordinary. One thought you may want to consider too far is um, supply of PPEs. Um, Vistar has um, quite a supply. And uh, DNS vending, uh, Vendors Exchange, AVS, all those companies have um, 
the, the, you know, the equipment that uh, for sanitation. And by purchasing, like uh, Karen said, you get Amazon is the most obvious source. But sometimes with Amazon, you're not sure what you're getting. But if you buy it from a company like someone that deals with uh, the vending industry uh, or the cafeteria industry, you're, you can be more assured. You, uh, there's no 100% guarantee in anything, but you can be more assured then that it's compatible with your vending equipment or your kiosk or your whatever. Um, so you, in all those companies, with the exception of Vistar, uh, Vistar, if you normally order Vistar, you get it with your shipment. But um, Vendor Exchange, AVS, and the DNS, they will all ship you whatever you order. And, and as well, they have um, compatible um, sizing for vending machines. You can uh, put it in your vending machine and resell it to your uh, customers. And they also have um, dispensers that you can mount on the side of your vending machines so that the customers can sanitize uh, before they touch and they can sanitize after they touch the machine. Um, and hopefully down the road, you know, there's a, a variety of all the manufacturers that are working on uh, touchless vending, which is going to be probably be the norm here, uh, you know, as people are becoming more and more conscious of uh, sanitation and uh, disease spreading. And so you're going to see more everybody going to touchless vending and touchless kiosks, touchless whatever else. And a uh, gentleman in New Jersey has a, a combination cafeteria snack bar. He's providing latex or rubber gloves at the entry point of his uh, uh, dry stand so that people can put on some gloves. Because, you know, it's like any other store, people go in and they pick something up and they put it back down so you don't know who it's handled before. So he's providing rubber gloves and dispose of the rubber. You know, you know there's so many things you, you want to think of as you reopen or as you uh, maybe want to downsize your cafeteria, you know, to a micro market, or upsize your vending operation to a micro market, or a combination snack bar, or down to to snack bar. Uh, to you know, as Karen and Linda both emphasized, where the customer base is probably not going to be the same. You can almost bet on that that uh, you know, you have a diminished customer base. So, you, and sometimes one way to um, minimize the damage from that is offer more, a bigger variety of products and you can do that very readily with um, uh, micro market but also you can do that um, quite readily with uh, by upsizing your vending machines uh, uh, you know, particular snack machine if you're running four or five wide you run a six wide or whatever uh, and you spread the machines around so that people are not standing alongside each other while they're purchasing uh, so there's but uh, I, I guess I would encourage people to purchase your PPEs, you know, through someone that's familiar with vending equipment to avoid uh, the problem that Linda's having is the damaging control boards because you're looking at, you know, $1,000 per, per uh, mishap there when you damage a control board on a uh, vending machine, so you don't want to avoid that. And then, then you want to educate your maintenance staff in your facilities, very, build a relationship or uh, build your relationship better, bigger and better with the maintenance staff in your particular facility and uh, educate them on the proper cleaning and use wipes rather than sprays. Um, and so there's a lot of things, you know, we have to consider as we reopen and, uh, or can, you know, as people come back. Yeah, all very good points. 
If you are ready for it, we do have some hands raised. Okay, we can take them. Okay, so uh, our first person is uh, Tamina. Um, I was going to make a suggestion that the hand sanitizers seems to be very uh, limited. Let's spray pine. You can always put it straight on a paper towel or napkin and then use it to wipe, sanitize whatever the device um, you have. That's the way we are handling here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Tamina. Thank you. Good, good suggestion. Just make as much available to your customers as possible because uh, we're all more conscious, conscious of uh, sanitation nowadays. Any other questions, Randy? Not at the moment. I'll let you know when other ones pop up. One other point, um, you, know, you know, as we pursue down the road here, um, touchless vending, and there, a lot of the aftermarket manufacturers, including the, the, the original, manu- original equipment manufacturers, they're moving to t- touchless, but uh, in the, they're starting to offer some nice promotions on it. You know, um, they can, you know, pay ranges. I, mean, I don't want to promote any one particular company product, but pay range, if you, you buy it through a certain supplier, they'll, they'll give you the, the unit free, and you just have to educate your customers on how to use it. And it's all operated from app off their phone, and, and the only thing they have to touch then is the delivery door on the vending machine. And you can the same with your kiosk. You know, Everything is going to mobile apps, uh, mobile pay, uh, and so you may want to, you know, and you don't want to be handling credit cards. People don't want you to. You don't. They don't want to hand you the credit. You let them swipe it themselves or insert themselves, so that the only ones handling their credit card. Uh, so it, it makes as much touchless as possible, uh, and a lot of that you can do at a, no cost or minimal cost. And if you want to get extravagant, then there's significant cost, and then you'll have to work with the SLA um, and see what funding is available. And you know, funding's probably going to tighten up because a lot of states, you know, sales are down all across the, uh, the board. Um, so set aside funds are not coming in because of lack of sales. So, uh, you know, once we, you know, once we get the COVID uh, corralled, that's just the start of it. And then from there, uh, there'll be a lot of budget issues that are going to arise uh, unless Congress takes some, you know, good action for us, and, and we can definitely work with our legislative and we, uh, from a grassroots level. Let them know how important this program is to you and your family and your staff. Dan, this is Karen. I, for some reason, a system kicked me off, but I'm back, so I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure why. I guess it didn't like me too much today. <laughs> That's technology. <laughs> so I'm wondering if there's any hands up, if there's anybody in the audience that wishes to say or ask anything. There is. Um... We have Norman, and I am hitting the allow to talk button now. Hi, Norman. Hello, Norman. Hi, Norman. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I I'm a vendor. I have a, a facility at the VA clinic uh, in um, Hawaii, and I just opened up two weeks ago, and 
I'm just doing like about less than 20% of what I did pre um, after the closures. Um, <clears throat> now, so someone was talking about um, uh, some kind of benefit you could get. I was, I've been getting, I've been getting um, the, I think it's the un unemployment funding and um, <clears throat> and so I don't know if there was something else I could get. Like someone's, I think um, it was, I don't know if it was Karen or somebody talking about getting funds that it's, is up to what called, you were making. Well, not, not quite up to what you were making, but it's called a fair minimum return. So within your state, it all depends how much money is in your set-aside funds. And I, I have to admit, I'm not very familiar with Hawaii's set-aside funds, so I'm not sure how much, like, you guys yeah. have sitting there. We don't um, have set-asides. You do not have set-asides. No. Then this, this, our, yeah, then this came from the, the state of New York itself, from our own funds, the, the, oh, the manager's funds that were sitting in an account. Okay. We just have funding from the airport. They they designate certain percent of their um, profit to our organiz to the vendors. So they did give us a little bit, yeah. But now yeah, I have a question on inventory, and if you have, we have to buy new equipment because of this pandemic. Does the state buy that, or how do we? Are there federal allocation for that kind of situation? Dan, why don't you take uh, that one? Uh, Secretary DeVos uh, submitted um, a proposal to Congress. They haven't acted upon it as of yet, but they submitted, as you know, uh, set aside or uh, 110 funds can only be used for five purposes. And repurchasing stock or restocking vendors uh, is not one of the purposes. But she committed a waiver to Congress, requested to waive and allow those funds used to, to restock inventories for those that lost an inventory, uh, whether it's spoilage or whatever, if you can it. And, but, you know, that's up to Congress. And, and you know, uh, the House has got a bill, the Senate's got a bill, and they're kind of at stalemate at this point. But um, I'm sure one or the other will come through. It'll be some, uh, hopefully, some kind of compromise will come through. And hopefully, this is in there. But that's one, you know, alternative that if that comes through, then SOA has more freedom uh, to, to work with. Uh, blind managers as to buying, replacing inventory. Uh, the other thing, uh, Norman, is you know the PPP program, payroll protection plan program. Is there money left in you know from um, CARES three there? There's uh, I think 156 billion dollars left in that fund, and they're going to probably be replenishing that when Congress, Senate, House, and the Senate get together. But there's still left from the CARES three and. You know, that basically consists of uh, loans, you know, uh, no interest or, little, or low, very low interest uh, loans that you can uh, secure if you're affected by COVID, COVID-19. And but uh, the, the other, but the main point is, is 
most of those loans can or are uh, forgivable. Because if you use it for the right purposes, if you have continuing your rent or if you have to repurchase stock or you know have to maintain benefits for your employees, have to um, you know pay a heat bill and light bill or whatever, you know that can those loans to PPP program, payroll protection plan, can be forgivable, which means they'll give you tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, and don't have to repay it. And they extended you know, that, so there's, there's that money available from CARES, but you have to apply, and the best way to that is uh, through your uh, bank, uh, where you currently use banking, yeah, they can help people locate that. Um, and, you know, in most states, you know, the, the, the Congress uh, authorized them to um, allow self-employed people to collect unemployment, which is sound like you were already doing getting the unemployment. And the federal put an additional six hundred dollars on top of that per per week, so uh, that would cover yourself. Uh, in in a lot of states, in in their particular states, like in Wisconsin, they uh, the it took an allocation of general purpose revenue, GPR funds, into our uh, State Department of Labor, and they give um, uh, every small business person, if they had uh, 25 or less employees, an opportunity to apply for a $2,500 grant. $2,500 in a long you've been out of business isn't a lot, but it's, it's, it's something. You know, so if you want to check with individual states, see if uh, they mimicked what a lot of states are doing by through their on a state level through their state GPR funds rather than rely upon um, federal funds. So you have to keep in touch with your state and um, you know see what they have available and uh, work with your SLA very closely on that. But you know, your State Department of Labor is probably going to be your key one for auxiliary funds that uh, you may not necessarily become aware of unless you actually you know pull them up on pull their website up and see what they're doing. So there's alternatives out there, and and yeah, you know some may say they're band-aid approaches. Yeah, but I guess I, if I don't have a, I'll think a band-aid. Uh, and you know, so let's uh, take whatever we can get to help us survive so that we can resume our business again. Uh, you know, we have to stay conscious, stay aware, <laughs> and, and, yep. you know, stay, but we have yeah, to primarily stay safe. So. All right, Norman, we hope right. that answered your questions for now. Um, Randy, can we take another one, possibly? Next, you have Jim. Okay. Hello. I am unmuted, I think. You are unmuted. Hello, Jim. How are you doing? Great. Uh, very quickly, it's, it's interesting to hear the discrepancy, if you will, in the s response that the states provided, i.e. in New York and Tennessee. And luckily here in Nebraska, we have a state licensing agency who gives a damn, or at least pretends like they do. Case in point, uh, when I'm in a state facility down in the state office building on 13th and Farnham, and the building is since probably March 16th, 15th, somewhere in there, has been half full. And as a result of that, my income has been maybe three to six hundred bucks a month less than what I'm accustomed to. But one of the things that Nebraska did was Nebraska suspended 
set-aside payments that the vendors are required to submit for the month of April, May, and June. They also, what they did was they devised a formula, and Dan, I'm sure you're familiar with Sandy, uh, with her involvement, Sandy Alvarado, with regard to how much each vendor was going to get in, quote-unquote, we start up funding. The clinker to that or the catch to that was you had to be you had to be a not only licensed vendor, active vendor, but you had to have an open case with our commission to take advantage of the startup funds. So you know, and so that that was that. The other thing that they offered vendors was all right, if you want help you know, with paying reader drivers or if you wanted help with uh, insurance payment, if you didn't pay your insurance, you know, your liability insurance all up in one shot when it was due last October, they would help you with that provided you had an open case. So I guess it surprises me, and Linda being very blunt, the tendency is lax in, <laughs> in, 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 in the New York and Nebraska aren't. So I just thought I'd share that. You know, I'm surprised to see the difference between, you know, the response in some of the states are providing vendors. So that's all I have. Well, and and that me. is, thank you. That it yep. is a very interesting thing that you just brought up, is that there's not more unity uh, throughout the United States. Um, each, each state does have its own SLA, and of course, each state has its own committee of blind vendors, and Active participation is key. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't say enough good things about New York. And, and just to follow up on some of the things he said, you know, New York also did uh, suspend liability payments until December thirty first. They did um, suspend all loan payments until December thirty first. They changed the formula used for what we pay back into the system here. It's called a levy. I know in other states it's called something else. Um, they did go, um, you know, they took a lot of measures to make sure that a manager is not going to lose their home or lose what they have by having to pay a loan back or liability insurance on a facility that may not be open or isn't open to anywhere near capacity. But that is definitely something interesting that Jim brought up is the unity across the country. And I'm wondering if as an organization, if there's something we can do more uh, for the state that aren't getting quite as many courtesies as we're getting. And if there isn't, there maybe it's time to start one. And and just in Tennessee's defense, they did allow us the month of March with no uh, no set aside tax, but we still had to pay our admin fees. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, we do need to have some kind of some type of unified representation to to try to help some of the states that perhaps aren't thinking in such altruistic terms as uh, New York and Nebraska and some of the others who are actively doing things to keep their vendors afloat instead of putting more rocks in our boats. 
Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that well, just highlights what um, Chris Brent brought up earlier in the discussion and that, that we need to get together and meet with um, Mark Schultz and Betsy DeVos, you know, get a meeting with them and get that set up that, that you know, uniformity across state lines has, has been an ongoing issue for probably since the program started, uh, but it seems to be really have broadened out in the last four, three, four months now. It's got, uh, it, it's more impactful on more people. Uh, in past, the, you know, the, the differences in how programs are managed were, were, were workable. And now I think it's to the point where it's not workable, where the RSA has to step in and say, okay, here's what we recommend and here's what you need to do if, um, you know, you know, if you want your VR funding. Which is a very interesting topic, and then, then I guess we'll move on to another question, but, but some states do have a very large set-aside. Now, that is, that is manager that does belong to the managers. That was money that was paid in or coming in through unassigned vending or, or whatnot, you know. But it's interesting to me how what Norman said, you know, Hawaii has no set-asides. Um, so that... That puts the state of Hawaii in a little different, in a little different light. If the funding is not there within its own state, how can they distribute? So, it's an interesting theory. But uh, the differences in the SLAs and the states and the management is is definitely something I think as an organization we we have to look at long and hard. Randy, is there any other questions right now, or hands up? There are not at the moment. Linda, yes. I'm- yeah, I, there is something that we've not touched on. It's another little side effect of all of the uh, joyful changes that we've undergone. Um, I'm wondering if you can address from, from your perspective how your um, supply chain has been disrupted, uh, getting product, putting your machines, uh, availability. I know I, I have been absolutely, oh, I've gone weeks and weeks and weeks and not been able to get certain products. Yes, yes, I have too. Um, so the d- distributors are having uh, complications across the country between manufacturing plants not operating, um, just simply distributors not having the goods. I mean, I can give you some prime examples through Pepsi who, okay, so uh, yeah. the, the western New York area is a huge Pepsi area. Please forgive me for those Coke people out there, but it is what it is. Um, we, we do carry Coke too, so feel, feel you know, secure. But um, Pepsi recently bought the Crush line, and I couldn't get Orange Crush for six weeks. And you're thinking, okay, so they'll go to something else. Yeah, that's what one would think, but they really don't. Um, Another, I've had, Vistar is one of my primary distributors at this point, and I have had nightmares getting certain products. Um, You know, you'll find one, one particular kind of chip that everybody absolutely loves up here. It happens to be the, um, jalapeno crunchers, um, I haven't been been able to get them in now about four weeks. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but I have people that actually come to me and are, like, mad that I have to change products. 
and I try to mm-hmm. substitute the best I can, but you don't have a choice sometimes in what you got. What I've done to try to make some people happy, well, it's, re- it's really not making them happy, but what I did do is the moment I found that I was having uh, issues with distributors is in every vending location we have up a notice, um, you know, more or less saying, um, I'm asking for your patience at this time uh, due to some distributing issues. Not all products are available all of the time, but we'll get back to the standard line of products as soon as I possibly can. Something just as simple as that and addressing the problem before they come to you um, saves a lot of uh, headaches. Um, I will say also... Trying to get PPE equipment, and, and I don't want to single out Vistar, but it is one of my primary um, distributors right now. I, I haven't been able to get any since the beginning. Since the beginning, uh, they still have on their lists things uh, like the hand sanitizer in in the two ounce bottles, which are great for resale. But then also the bigger sizes, I haven't been able to get, and they're on my order list every week. Um, I've had to get really, really creative in, in where I'm getting things. So one of my suggestions, if it's not already there, which I'm, I'm sure it could already be there, is maybe on the RSVA website uh, listing some of the known distributors that do have things in stock, and, and maybe we can all work together to kind of update that on a regular basis so vendors do have a place to look for the supplies. I think that would be very helpful because I I know I have gone to the non-traditional. I have gone through Amazon and eBay, and um, I I finally, this was back in April, I was hunting, um, you know, the the hand sanitizer wipes just, you know, for my employees to use. And um, there was one, one, one choice that wasn't out of stock. So I was like, yay. So I order it. I got it last week. So, um, you know, even, you know, hunting the non-traditional is, um, but I'll, I love the idea of having a shared list um, because there may be places, that, of course, that I'm unaware of um, that I might be able to find, you know, some things that, okay. you know, my customers are, very upset with us about not having at this time. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because it's even the traditional products. Um, for the last two weeks, I could not get, of all things, uh, Reese's or Almond Joy from any of my distributors. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about having problems, you know, we all know our our top, you know, what our top three candies are. And, and here my top two are Snickers and Reese's. You know, mm-hmm. Almond Joy falls a little bit more down the list, but, you know, instead of leaving an empty slot, you have to substitute because I'm not going to lose that slot worth of money in this era we're living in right now. And, um, again, having having those notes up there just saying that, you know, product is very limited um, to, to what we can get, um, it's a problem for everybody, and it's it's going to continue to be a problem until – some of these plants are up and running for good, and right now we have 16 states in the United States that are at a very high COVID rate. Um, 
you know, luckily for those of us in the upstate, the numbers are way down. Upstate New York, we're we're way down. Um, but but we went through a real hard time, and now all the other states where a lot of the manufacturing or distributing plants or warehouses are that just don't have the staffing to do the work. Yeah. Right, and I, I I agree with what you said about the postings because I also have done that, and plus. When I have customers text me or email me about things, you know, are you ever going to get? Why is this row empty? Um, you know, the, the question out there, granted, everything else in the machine is completely full, but their item is a crisis. And, um, you know, I just send back to them, you know, please bear with us. The supply chain is a little uh, bumpy right now, and it's difficult to get some of the things that we would love to have. Um, the problem with my group is they like what they lovingly call fat cakes. Um, so anything pastry-oriented. Um, and some of the uh, the manufacturers, um, there's Mrs. Freshly's is one of them, um, which actually is out of East Tennessee. But there's a lot of the products we cannot get Um that you know they're clamoring for, and there's really not any decent substitutes. Uh, well, as far as the customers concerned, but we try to put things in, and you know they're not selling because it's not what they prefer. So. It is very difficult to get customers to change, um, but it, there comes a point where you just we have to change change product lines. Here in New York, we have a we had a company called Candy Carnival, which carried all our fruit slices and gummy bears and gummy worms and all those fun little snacky things that have absolutely no nutritional value. But, but Dennis uh, they, love for us. But they went out of business. So a product I was getting for fifty cents a bag, and I was able to retail for a dollar twenty-five. I can no longer get. And it's taken a lot of brainstorming, including with Mr. Sybil, trying to figure out an appropriate substitute. And unfortunately, I'm not going to find anything that cheap. So my prices are going to have to go up and hope that the customers understand that it's a much better product. But that's all I can offer at this point. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, look at my my customers are like a neighborhood of feral cats. They, they're, you know, it's their neighborhood. Everything needs to be in their, you know, and change is unacceptable. And it's really hard to to, to give them a new treat that's actually something very good. Uh, and the resistance to trying things that are new um, is uh, kind of interesting. So, yeah. let me interrupt this. Just to ask once uh, quick if. Did Kirk Johnson join uh, join us yet, or is he going to? Kirk, are you on? No hands up. Okay. Good well, Randy, are there any other hands up right now? Yes, Jim has a hand up. Hi, Jim again, or different Jim? No, it's the same Jim. Okay. I probably should keep my mouth shut, but those of you that know me know I don't do that well. Um, I like people like that. You're you welcome. What? You're very yeah. welcome to say what you like. Hey, one of the things you didn't discuss with regard to product shortages and maybe you weren't aware of it because I wasn't until Tuesday. I have, I operate a quarter machine down a state office building. And I usually, I used to fill it once a week with regard, you know, putting quarters in there when the building was full, but now I've kind of gone to every other week. And I was at the 
bank on Tuesday at the drive-thru because they refused to open the lobby for whatever reason. And I had $141 in bills. And the gentleman looked at me and he says, I can only give you $100 in quarters. I can't give you $140. I said, why not? He said, because there is a coin shortage. I said, what? And he says, yeah. And apparently what the rationale behind that is, the U.S. Mint has not been producing quarters since the pandemic started. So I don't know how many that there was a coin shortage on that, but. I, I did not know there was a shortage, but I will give you an example here. While I was operating my vending for all these months, the lobbies at the banks were not open. Therefore, right. all, all of my cash deposits had to go into the night box or, you know, right. through the window. Right. However, they would not accept coin. So all of the coin that I would be taking out of my machine was... Building up, I was rolling. I have a thing that every Saturday morning I roll a coin, and um, I, I won't disclose the amount. But I'll tell you that it took me and three men to carry it once the lobby opened. Oh, there you go. Um, so if they can't, if they're not taking, they're not recycling. Um, it, it really, COVID has affected everybody's way of doing business right now and although our lobbies to our banks are open now if we we're in we're in phase four of opening new york does does do it in phases and i again i know every state and every governor is doing something different and i i don't have any intention of making this political but um if we go back a phase or two if we start to regress you know i'm going to end up with the with the three month build up a coin again and again i'm just going to need a pickup truck i think to get there instead of a uh, a moving van that i use <laughs> right and the other thing too is i found out there's an aluminum shortage too so that's interesting because that could affect our canned beverages and i don't know how yeah. many vendors still have machines that that carry cans but um, I, my Coke rep told me that the reason I can't get feisty cherry or any of the flavor drinks, be it feisty cherry, be it cherry Coke, be it ginger ale, and that goes with Pepsi as well and whatever else, is because there's an aluminum can shortage and there's only three entities in the entire United States that produce aluminum and they're shut down. So whether that's true, I don't know. But so yeah, I would explain why some of the uh, the canned sodas are difficult to get now. Um, I know Sam's for the last month has been out of canned Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew, uh, canned uh, Dr. Pepper, um, Coke Zero. Um, yeah. It's definitely been challenging uh, operating with the things that aren't available right now and and how we have to really kind of all put our, our heads together and be creative with what we're doing and hope our customers are going to be patient through it. I mean, in a lot of locations, they don't really have a choice. I know I have 20 machines at one of my post offices, and they are very stuck on, on very particular products. But I've noticed since I've put the notice up, and also when I go in, I try to be as friendly as possible, and they all come up to me, hey, you're out of Orange Crush. I'm like, I know. And I won't, I won't use the language I use when I talk to my, my people, but, you know, it's like, yeah, no, sh- 
blank, blank, blank. Um, I'm like, but I, I'm doing the best I can, but you know what? I do have watermelon and pineapple crush. I'm like, how about we try that? Maybe you'll like it. Yeah, I try to be friendly and and upbeat about it, but you can you can only do it to a degree. If you have a Pepsi drinker, they're not going to switch and go to a Coke machine. You know, we, we know this about, like, Pepsi and Coke or Sprite and Sierra Mist. You know, we know that people are very loyal to whatever it is that they usually drink. Another big problem that I've been having with distributors is very short dates on diet anything. That for the time being, I have ceased carrying things like Pepsi Max and Coke Zero and the Cherry Zeros because I'm getting cases with, with a week date on them or if they're not outdated at all and you know here in new york which i assume it's all over the country but i can't tell something outdated you know and and morally i wouldn't because we know the ingredients in diet once that expiration date comes you know maybe you're going to get a couple weeks and then the taste really does change or things like the dr peppers they start to separate and for those people that can see, I, I'm not one of them. I'm totally blind. But I guess it actually separates to where the white kind of floats to the top and the brown sinks to the bottom. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, it's gross looking as well. <laughs> that's, that's what I understand. <laughs> you know, and what we don't want to do is shake a bottle before we put it in a machine. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that could lighten things up a little bit. <laughs> Ever had a can of, vended, uh, this has been here about a month and a half ago, I vended because we, we had a jam, so I test vended to make sure the jam was clear, had a uh, Mountain Dew come flying out and blow up on exit. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, let me interrupt you a minute. Uh, Randy, did, no, we just we moved into a uh, new time slot. Did we have to give a, a CEU code out for the last time slot? Yes, we sure do. <laughs> and I have it. Okay. Okay. The closing code is, for this one anyway, 63... Two A eight. One more time. Six three two A is an alpha eight. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Thank you for um, that. Yeah, we we'll, we'll have to have a new code then as we won't get it because I think each session requires a code. So yes. We'll, Kirk didn't show up, but we'll still we'll. We'll add lib on this one, so we give the new code for uh, session we're currently in now. So that's the code for this session, and then you get a new code at five thirty. Five thirty. Okay. Okay. So we got. We're... Okay, so that should have been the end code for the total session, then, not just the section, the segment. No, each each one of these has a has an opening and a closing. So, and they're. And how much time do we have left in this session? Well, let me just, let me check my sheet here, and I'll tell you. So, okay. So the one from 4 to 15, or 4 to 5.15, which is a little more now. All right, so there's that. And then there's a 
one that starts at 5.30, and there are two different ones. Okay, so we still have, um, I got 5.02. We still have another 13 minutes left to this section. Yes. Sorry, folks listening on ACB Radio. Really, we all know what we're doing. <laughs> you do have a you do have a hand up if you'd like to take it. We would love to take a hand up. Okay. Uh, Tamina has a hand up. Okay, I was thanking you, all of you. You you folks are very animating, and it's wonderful for me to listen and learn from all of you. And you guys did a great job in for educating on expression date on Dr. Pepper. I did not know that. Okay. Are, are you a vendor? No, but I'm getting kind of intrigued. <laughs> so. It is a wonderful program. I hope you stay through to the next segment because we're going to talk all about the program and the benefits and the perks and all the wonderful things Randolph Shepard has to offer. But, um, yes, on every product, there is an expiration date. And most states do have a law that vendors cannot sell anything if the date is expired. Uh, We can give it away, we can eat it, we can share it, but we can't sell it. It's the same thing with products you get from a grocery store. One uh, qualifier on that, uh, Karen, if you don't mind. Um, uh, Under the USDA standards, there's only one product that has an expiration date on it. All the rest of the products have recommended sale dates. And the only product that has uh, expiration date, which cannot be sold, is smoked fish. All the others, including milk and ice cream, are recommended uh, sale dates. Um, It's advisable not to sell it beyond that point, but uh, it's generally not harmful. Uh, other than smoked fish can be harmful if it's sold beyond that date. What was the one that was was a definite have to sell by date? What product? Smoked fish. Smoked fish. Smoked, smoked fish. fish. Okay. Yeah. I know in Tennessee we cannot we we get spanked um, verbally, and um, if we have anything in our machines that is. Uh, Beyond the expiration date, we have to make sure everything is pulled. Pulled, yeah. And, and here in New York, yeah, it's it's the same here. We really, well, Dan, but thank you for clarifying that, and I, I apologize for my error. Um, I know everybody thinks I'm all knowing, but guess what? I'm not. Um, but, uh, well, this is artist. Artist, yes. Go ahead. I just wanted to say I did send out an email to everyone in our list um, inviting them to submit places that they know are uh, selling a wide variety of product and so that we can put out a list of the um, the best uh, companies to contact if you're finding you have trouble selling the product. So hopefully I'll get lots of responses to that so we can put out a list. That would be a great idea. Artist, thank, thank you. you. That was Artist. very, very proactive of you. And then in, in addition to sending out a list, if we could just find a place somewhere, possibly on the website as well, that would be great. So people that aren't part of our mailing list may may start searching for information, may run across us and say, hey, they look like a bunch of awesome people. Well, um, that's why I wanted to do it, because I said I wanted to put it on the website. 
definitely. Yeah, yeah. and that's and thank you. So, see, you are so proactive, artists. We love you. Whatever would we do without you? <laughs> All apart. <laughs> well, I appreciate suggestions because I don't get enough suggestions. So sometimes I just guess yeah. and put up what I think people will want. <laughs> I I think that I think that in general, even if we added a section on the website possibly talking about COVID and sanitation and products, um, the how-tos, um, which of course we're going to touch on in the next section as well, but you know, it, it may give vendors um, some really good directions, ones that are not on all the mailing lists. And, and we all know some states are better than others as far as distributing information. You know, again, I, I can go on how New York is great about doing that. Um, information that I receive, I pass on to the SLA or other people um, from our terrific organization, but also from, you know, other other places. Um, you know, all information does get shared for the most part in New York. And but I if we have on the website, anything I put on the announce list that I think is appropriate, I also put on the website under the the business. There's a, a link for business, and like I have all the uh, people. PPE things up there. I have a, a thing about sanitizing vending machines that I got sent from uh, a vendor. So if people send me stuff, I upload anything that uh, is useful to people. It's under the business resource link. That's awesome. So we have um, we have about eight minutes left in this session. Is there any other hands up, Randy? There is one, but they don't have a real name, and I have been advised not to call on people who don't have real names. I'm sorry to Mr. or Mrs. No Name. Um, you can always contact any of us um, privately as well. Uh, all of our contacts, Linda Ellis is a board member, as am I, and Artis and Dan, and all of our information is on the website. And as you can tell, I love to talk. So uh, anybody can contact any of us at any time with questions, thoughts, or um possibilities of a supply chain or um, what you're finding is the easiest way to sanitize in your facilities or machines. We're, we're always open to hear from anybody out there listening. Well, I would, I would probably say, um, do we all want to go around and just do like a little closing to the session? We're actually in a, into our micromarket session, so I'll, I'll just make a few comments about micromarket since Kirk was unable to join us. And then we'll uh, closing on that. But um, it, as most of it, we're, most are, are aware, micromarkets have been around and they've been growing by leaps and bounds for the last several years. Um, and you may be looking at moving into a micromarket, uh, downsizing your cafeteria, ups, upsizing your um, vending and you know, several kiosk manufacturers are making them accessible, uh, putting speech synthesizers on them or whatever else, uh, and making and going to touchless kiosk by, by having mobile apps and so on and so forth. It, it's a wonderful opportunity. The, um, the downside to do that now, during uh, especially with the advent of COVID, is um, micro people have opportunities to handle everything. You know, like in a grocery store or in a hardware store, to pick things up, set them down. You know, well, I don't, I, 
look at the label and I don't want that product. I want so you got people handling. It. So that's one downside. So in the gentleman from New Jersey, his where he's going to hand out latex gloves will resolve some of that issue. Um, and micromarkers can can only be used in secure buildings primarily. It, it's uh, you know where because they're all monitored by cameras. You know you, they're not, really not suitable for highway rest areas or in prisons. Prisons certainly don't want them at this point because of the uh, temptation by the inmates. So, but uh, all of our office buildings would be candidates, but they're probably not um, as glamorous a candidate as they were four months ago. But it's, they're still an option, and the, the manufacturers are still uh, trying to uh, work on them, perfect them, making them more and more accessible uh, to the disability community, and, the, and as well as to the touch, touch-free operation of them. And I'm sure you'll see um, more of that coming out in same way to vending equipment, you know, that'll uh, be. So I think with that, we can probably um, close out our um, micro-market session. Uh, Randy, if you want to give the closing code for that, and then we can move right into our... Oh, uh, I already uh, I already gave you the closing code. You had asked for at that, around that 5 was, o'clock. That was that one. Okay. Yeah, that was that one. Okay. I only have two left, and they're for the 5.30 session. Okay. Right. We don't... The next session starts again, Dan, at 5.30. So right. yeah, 15 I think we were going to take a short break here, and then... Um, come back at 5.30 through 6.45, talking about all the fun tricks and everything to vending and um, and go from there. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to... Yes, Linda. I'm sorry. Um, when this session ends, do I jump off here and go listen on the radio, or how do I do that? Because I'm logged in as a panelist, or do I need to go back out and come back in as well, a I, How about if you we can just do extend either. the invitation? You can do either one. You can stay on. I, I would love I to extend the invitation for you to come back, since you are, you know, a vendor and an excellent one at that. If you want to come back and join us, uh, you're another beautiful voice to have on the radio. Yeah, and your, and your, number, your number extends through the next session, uh, Linda, so you're welcome to okay. come back on the same okay. one. Well, I'll just I'll right. just stay on myself on mute, and I'll just leave it hooked in. And that way, I don't have to try to remember those six thousand numbers again. Yeah. I'm that's, good, but I'm not. It's like dialing wonderful. for dollars. So that's great. So to those of us listening to on the on the, on the ACB radio, we're going to take a short break. We're going to be back, and now we're going to start having some fun with the. Um, tricks and, and traits of vending and the do's and don'ts and all the fun stuff and I bet you might even hear like a disaster story or, or two that we've all experienced. So for now we'll, pro- we'll close this session and I'll tell everybody stay safe. <laughs>